Today on Enrich Your Dirt, we're going to be talking about catching up after a period of incarceration. My name is Joanne, and with me is Sean. Hello. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, no problem. Anytime. <laughs> um, I think in order to figure out what we mean by catching up, we have to start with where things came from what our daily routine was while we were in prison, um, what we kind of experienced during the, our incarceration, and then switch over to the issues that we've separately and jointly dealt with since coming home. Right. Uh, so I can start. Okay. Um, with when I was at Alderson Prison Camp, um, my weekday routines, I, it's been a little while, so I'm trying to remember. I, I, would, no, I would get up and I would walk the track for um, maybe an hour. So I'd get up about 6 o'clock, um, and the track was just sidewalk around a patch of grass in the yeah. middle. Yeah, and your track was located inside the prison camp, obviously, right? But... It wasn't uh, very close to where you were sleeping, right? So It was right out the door from where we were sleeping. Oh, it was. Yes, it was at the top of the hill. Down at the bottom of the hill is where dinner and, and the cafeteria and stuff was. Okay. So I would get up, um, walk the track for about an hour, mm-hmm. then go into my locker um, and get all my stuff that I was going to need for the shower. My change of clothes, my shampoo, my soap. Um, razor, all of that. And I got very good at getting my hair washed, conditioner, and my legs shaved within six minutes. Uh, because that is all the longer that the showers were allowed to go. You push the button, hot water comes on at a set temperature, and then when your six minutes are up, your six minutes were up. We were okay. done. So I had a similar experience, but mine was a little different in that we had uh, a good group of plumbers and uh, we were able to bypass the shower timer when i say that like we also would be programmed for six minutes but the way it worked for us was that once you push the button and then it's supposed to shut off in six minutes and i guess it doesn't in in some camps it doesn't go back on again for a period of time. Right. right. There was then a delay. I don't remember what that delay was before the hot water, before it would come back on. Yeah. Well, for us, we could just keep pushing the button. So <laughs> there was no delay. Not only that, our plumbers were pretty good. We had, in our scenario, we had like, let's say, three or four stalls. I think it was four different shower stalls, if you will. Yeah, I think ours was about that too. Okay. So what they would do is they would set the temperature of each particular shower at a different temperature. So some were hotter, right. some were colder, etc. Gotcha. So, okay. Depending upon how hot you wanted the water, because as you mentioned, I think you mentioned, yeah. we, weren't, we, we didn't, couldn't adjust the showers. Right. But right. the temperature didn't, it was just a button, so the temperature didn't change. So you would pick the shower that had the right temperature for you. Yeah. So... I, I think ours kind of worked because I always there was always this I always used the same shower stall right. and and I think it was because it had the best temperature for what I wanted right. it was the most reliable and of course then we also had a handicap stall but you weren't supposed to use that 
unless you actually were some wheelchair or something like that. Right. Now, we had a handicapped wing, so mm. the handicapped people were typically directed towards that wing. Gotcha. And then, of course, it had a designated stall. But most of them, because in our situation in our dorm, we didn't have um, a, an elevator or any way for right. people to get from the first floor up to the, the you know the second floor. So right. uh, we only had one wing that we designated as handicap accessible. Gotcha. Yeah, no, ours, we had two stories in every unit, and there was an elevator, but uh, inmates weren't routinely supposed to use that. But we would have a handicapped shower, but that always became a big issue because it it was a little bit bigger, it had a chair, and so you could put your stuff on the chair, and, you know, it was silly. But I always tended to use the same shower, so I'd take my shower, I'd get out fully dressed, um, and then go back to my locker and in my cube and sit down and brush my hair and all the, the little stuff and kind of sit for a few minutes and think about what I was going to get done for the day and, and where I was going to go. Um, then over the course of my 10 months, my hair grew longer. So I would braid my hair and, and do those kind of silly things. And about... I think it was probably about 7.30 by the time I would get out for work in the mornings. Okay, so let me take you back real quick. You yeah. said you uh, over 10 months your hair grew out, but yeah. you didn't go and just get it cut? No. We had, you You technically weren't allowed to cut it in the unit, right. um, but of course people did all the time. Right. But uh, we did have cosmetology services, but... To get an appointment took a long time, and I just, I was never comfortable letting people in prison cut or color my hair. So I just let it grow out. But you guys uh, at the camp in Cumberland had a little bit different. You had like a barber shop or a barber. Yeah, we had a barber shop, a regular barber shop, and then we had um, people that came in that were, you know, certainly qualified to do it, and... um, of course, we had people cut their own hair and stuff, but generally the barber would just cut the hair, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, we'd pay him uh, through, uh, I don't know if we should probably discuss this on the <laughs> podcast, but, um, you know, anyway, you would compensate them uh, just with the currency that was there, which was fish at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, you'd give them a tip, if you will, but they gotcha. would cut it for free, you know, gotcha. they, okay. technically. Okay. And, um, you just uh, you know got a hold of them and said, "Hey, look, can you do my hair on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever?" Yeah. And you yeah. book it, and you just show up, and they cut your hair. And I didn't mind roughly every three months. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew women that did, but you're going down to the cosmetology school, so you're getting your hair cut by people that are learning to cut hair, and that just gotcha. made me so it just made me nervous. It wasn't worth it, so I just let it grow out. Um, yeah. But then I would stick it in a braid or something like that because it was getting pretty long. Um, but I didn't generally go to breakfast because I'm just, I wasn't a huge breakfast fan. Um, so I would just go straight on over to, to work, which at the end was in the library, which was a very nice job at the time. So what, what time did your work start? I want to say it, it must've opened like at eight or something. And that was at the library? At the library. Yeah. We would have to wait for, for rec to open because we were up above the rec building. Um, Is that a gym? Is that 
Yeah, the gym. It was they had the gym, and then we went up a couple flights of stairs, and they had a library, and that's where also like the paint room was, and ceramics, and music, guitar so, class. And so stuff. right after you did, so at what point did you actually swim? I because did. because I heard Alderson had a pool. <laughs> yeah, that was in some of the and a, and a spa. Yes, yeah, it was uh, camp fed, right? Right. But, um, no, they did not have a swimming pool. Apparently, at one time, there was a swimming pool. Oh, yeah? What did they do with it? I think they just filled it in, and it became this big concrete pad, which was a pavilion. Okay. And um, people would work out in it. They would do their boot camps in it. In the summertime, that's where we did yoga. It was right by the softball field. So we were doing yoga. I did, there was a woman there that had a yoga mat. She'd been there quite a while when they were still, still selling yoga mats. And so she generously let me use her yoga mat. Otherwise, you were doing yoga on a concrete floor. Right. Um, but, yeah, there was no pool. There was no... In concrete water. In concrete water, right. yes. There was nothing like that. Okay. Um, and so then I would work We at like, I think it I want to say it was like 10.30. We went back for count right before... No, maybe not. We, they shut down for lunch. So we'd go back to the dorm, wait for to be released for lunch. Um, and our release for meals was a little bit different, I think, than yours was. We Every week, all, each unit got inspected by um, COs, and there was, that rotated. And depending on how clean your unit was overall... That was the order in which you got released to go down to eat. Um, so it kind of, it became kind of a big deal. Um, but we the unit I was in initially was like the orientation unit, so that was always clean. Everybody was that was the people brand new in prison, so they were following all the rules and, and behaving. There was no extra books on top of the lockers. There was no stuff underneath the beds. That nothing like that. Right. Toward after about a month and a half, you get moved to your got moved to your regular unit, and that's where women they had accumulated stuff, and so my unit was always almost always the dirtiest one. Um, just and it wasn't necessarily dirty; it was just people had too many books on their locker, or they had too many cases of soda under the bed, or too many pairs of shoes because they had been incarcerated for a long time. Or, right. Um, so then you'd have to wait to get released for lunch. So then we'd walk down the hill. And lunch I would generally eat. I would usually go to lunch. Um, so let me ask you a question. When you, uh, okay, when you got re- recalled, right? It was right. to be a recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got recalled back to your dorm. Right. Once you got there, they did. I guess they just announced over intercom, "Hey, uh, unit, blah blah blah." No, the COs would sit out in front of the buildings and say, They're "Okay." Sitting out in front uh-huh. of a building, yes, with a chair in a car usually, or they'd stand out there on on the track and okay, say, so, "So your unit's right next to a parking lot." There was. There was, it wasn't a, it was more like a driveway. It was like a circular driveway that, and then within the circular driveway was then the sidewalk. And then inside of that was like just a big grassy area. 
Um, so they would sit in a car. Yes. Why, why would they sit in a car? They, if they it was cold, they'd sit in the car. If it was cold, they'd sit in the car. Uh-huh. And if it was nice, they would just stand out on the track area. And they had like a series of flags where they flagged. Nope, they were just and they flagged everybody. And you, hey, you, you guys come out this way. <laughs> no, it was very. Um, it always reminded me of what like the projects look like, <laughs> because. You just had people kind of leaning out the doors, looking to see, can we go yet? Can we not? And then they would catch somebody's eye and they would wave you, okay, A2, come on. And then... So if there were... How many dorms are we talking about? There were two units, an A and a B, and there was four dorms in each one. So in an A and a B unit, they would... Divide that up and say by four, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And they would say A two. A two. You can. You can. And so yes. How would you know? Because they each had the, their own entrance. Oh. So they would watch and make sure nobody from A three. So would A three go over to A two and no, go up that oh, entrance? No. Oh no! You were not allowed to go yeah, but in a unit. Who monitored that? You had to walk through. Everybody did. You who's everybody? All the COs, all the case managers, yeah, okay, so all the. Everybody. You had other COs and case managers mm-hmm. in the building. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You and if you got caught in a unit that wasn't yours, it was a big deal. Um, yeah, you were not allowed in a unit that you did not live in. Gotcha. So then people, of course, but the units separate. weren't really separated, right? I mean, they other were. Than they're in the same building, so I don't know how they're in the you same. Really separate them. Well, they were in the same building, and you had two on one floor and two on the other floor, and the stairs were exterior, so you couldn't, you you know, you wouldn't enter one dorm to get upstairs, and then between so you, you couldn't get between into one other dorm um, internally. It was all just externally. There was an elevator, but the elevator in between each dorm, then there was a hallway where the case managers and the unit secretary and I think I don't know who all else sat in there so if it was unlocked during the week you had to walk by their offices mm-hmm. and they would say what are you doing in our hallway um and then the weekends it was locked okay so a lot of our case manager stuff just put blinds up yeah. And would close the blinds. So you could walk by if you wanted. Not that we were allowed to. So, because gotcha. we were just one unit, right? Right, right. As, as an, uh, a G building and a P building. But in, let's say, G, you just had four uh, different wings. Mm. We were separated into wings, right? But yeah. it was the same unit. Gotcha. So when G went to building, everybody within the wing could go to Right, uh, no. Went, went to building. Went, went no. to, uh, to eat. eat. Right. Everybody in, in each wing would just funnel out right. and go. So it would be very simple. Now, but see, we had 950 women. Yeah, but not. But in each unit? No, each, total. Total yeah. for the so camp. You're so you're dividing that up into two different buildings? Into eight. So you probably had 130 people in a unit. Well, that's what we had. Okay. We had okay. roughly 128. Right, so they would okay, release... Originally, when I got there, it was six people per... Cube, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think there were 32 or so. I don't know, I remember how many there were. There, yeah, there were eight per wing. Yeah. Eight times four is 32. So 32 times six. Yeah. Which is 
higher than I can do, math-wise, <laughs> right? But anyway, it's um, a significant number. Not that they were always full like that, but originally, before, right. you know, when they first did it, that's how many people you're talking about, right? Yeah, so, I mean, they probably released, you know, if they released a unit for us, that was probably 130 people. And if they release a unit for you, that was probably 130 people. Right, so that could be 192 people. Right. Right, if that right. math is right. Right. Per, but, per unit, but obviously they, they decided that was not appropriate. Right. But it took them a while to figure that out. But yeah, we could, I mean, we had eight units, and if you had a thousand people, you know, if you had 200 people, a thousand yeah. people, so, so yeah, I mean, I think they released about the same amount of people. But yes, they were, the COs watched it very closely. If you walked out of the dorm and you didn't have your badge on around your neck, they sent you back. If your shirt wasn't tucked in, they sent you back. If you, you if know, they send you back to the unit for, uh, they send you back to the unit. Okay, but what are you gonna do? You're gonna go all the way back to your unit, tuck your shirt in, and then go back. Yes. Why don't you tuck it in right there? Um, if you went all the way to the, if you got all the way down to the cafeteria with yeah. it untucked and tried to walk in, they would just send you to the back of the line. Um, you have to tuck your shirt, then they send you back the line. You, they would send you to the back of the line, and the next time you came in, it had to be tucked in. Oh. And sometimes, depending on what was being served for lunch or dinner, that line could be very, very long. Would other people just let them in no. so they didn't have to go all the way back? No. Why? Because they would... Because it would piss people off, and then if the CO saw you jump back in line, now you're in trouble, and the person behind you's in trouble. Yeah. So, yes, the COs watched the line. They watched yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But I would generally go to lunch. Um, and then after lunch, I would head back to work. Um, and I would work in the library until... Now, the library would be locked while we were at lunch. So we'd have to wait for uh, one of the COs that ran rec to come in and unlock it. And it was a couple flights of stairs. So we had some COs that were happy to do it. And we had some that really didn't want to. Right. So they every day they... Locked and unlocked yes. and locked and unlocked yes. and locked and unlocked. Yes. But, but yes. I mean, multiple times during yes. the day? Yes. Okay. So we yeah. didn't have that. Our, mm-hmm. our COs, you know, they lock things at night, let's yeah. say 10 o'clock. Yeah. And then, or, you know, somewhere between 8, 8 30, 9 o'clock and right. 10 o'clock. And then what they did is they, so they locked stuff up at night and then they unlocked in the morning. Let's say typically... That was around six thirty, seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. They went. They I guess the morning shift came in. Right. So I don't know. Maybe it was six thirty. Right. So they came in around that time. Then they unlocked when yeah. they felt like it. Sometimes they unlocked, uh, you know, a little later, um, when, which would hold up some activities. But generally, they unlocked it when they came in. Yeah. And then um, people could um, access facilities or whatever they needed to do, but then they never. Locked it. Well, I should say never. But typically, they would not lock it then again during the day. They just waited until the evening time. Yeah. If they didn't lock it, everything would have been stolen out of it. All the books would have been gone. The magazines would have been gone. It would have been ransacked. People would have taken them and put it in their lockers and put it, and we'd have never. Let me me ask you a question in your library. Just, just a yeah different difference between the camps. I think. if I, if I walked in, well, obviously I can't because it's a woman's camp, but if I walked, you know, if I walked into my camp, right, right. the camp I was at in Cumberland, right. and I wanted a book, I yes. just went to the shelves, grabbed a book, 
mm-hmm. and I walked out. Oh, no. No, no, no. We had a whole so checkout process. So, apparently, you know, women Steal are, everything. Are, well, <laughs> I'm thinking, right? I mean, because yeah. we didn't sign out. No. We didn't. Okay. Okay, maybe I just did it wrong. But, <laughs> but I never did uh, anything like that. I just, yeah. you know, we walked in, grabbed a book, and we walked out, and then we had a book return big like trash can mm-hmm. and we just took the book threw it back in there no that's it because where are you going to put a book or what are you going to do i mean it's only going to go in your locker or on your bed but there's nowhere else to put a book for, for us right no you had to keep them in your locker you couldn't so, keep them on your bed so you why would you steal why would i don't know why would you steal somebody's anything i don't yeah. they just would no we had it was very it was very much like when you were in elementary school and you go to the library and they'd stamp your book and they'd stamp the card with the little due date back and and it had on the yeah and and they would come hunt you down if that book was late the library people the library people and well yeah particularly one in particular she would hunt people down and they were afraid of her when so she came back there that worked at an the inmate library. but then they they got away from that because it was kind of creating some problems. Well, sure, there's confrontation, right? There, right, it's and not a winner. So what they would do is then they would send a notice to your counselor, and then the counselor would start getting after you, and could technically give you a shot for it. Exactly. So and get you in trouble and discipline you and lose privileges and you know that yeah, kind of stuff. Whatever. So yeah, they the library was a very yeah, it, but see also attached to our library was a set of computers that you could use for emailing because we have two we had two email stations one was down by the cafeteria and one was up by the library and the library was closer to the dorms Mm -hmm. um so they would have to lock it up for that because otherwise people would sit there and just email forever okay um so i mean that was kind of my weekday routine um i wouldn't always go for dinner um mail was around 4.30 in the afternoon, right after we got back from work, but before evening count. So that was always nice. I would get mail and skip dinner and read my mail. Um, I got mail probably almost every day, um, which was which was really nice. Yeah. Who'd you get mail from? I, I got mail from every... I got mail from the kids. I got mail from my parents. I got mail from aunts and uncles. I got... Really? Um, one of my sisters sent me a magazine subscription, so I would get that every month. That was nice. Mm-hmm. That was very nice. I would get books. The kids would send books. And so, yeah, I would get a lot of mail. And it was, Jeez, it was really nice. Um, and then weekends, the routine was a little bit different. I would walk the track a little bit longer. I would go down the big hill, walk past the cottages that are no longer open because of the asbestos and the lead in them. Um... And then kind of crochet and read and kind of spend the days on the weekends. Um, So then after that, you know, we can kind of talk about, you know, I don't know that your your days were kind of similar. They were, there were just a lot, lot more of them. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But um, yeah, I go through my day pretty quick. It's, it's, um pretty easy it was the same thing it was uh, there, there was not a lot of flexibility in my day um, my day was pretty much uh, I'd wake up around 4 45 5 o'clock 
wait for them to do their little walkthrough, which they did a count, and a walkthrough. As soon as they were done, assuming they were on time, I would then jump in the shower, um, you know, push the button a couple times, <laughs> right? You know, and uh, I didn't have to try to, you know, rush to get things through. But I would take it and say a 15-minute shower, 10, 15-minute shower. And then um, I would get um, um, dressed and uh, get some coffee, uh, watch a little uh, CNN news, which... I shouldn't say initials <laughs> on the news. Probably. And you That's watch your Good Morning America. You and Good Morning like GMA, but that didn't come on until 7. So oh, okay. anyway, um, right. so what I would end up doing is going then to breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, uh, at, at that point, I would um, come back. GMA came on. Um, I like to watch Ginger. <laughs> she uh, did the weather, so she was uh, kind of entertaining. Uh, I wonder if she's still on. I don't but know. It, but don't anyway, know so um, anyway, after that, I would, um, we'd leave by 7.15, uh, you know, at, right after the, the weather forecast, I'd walk down, I, I worked in Unicor, so I, we, we had to go down the hill, mm -hmm. and um, we there waited for this, the uh, CO, the warehouse manager, to uh, arrive. Once she arrived, we, you know, got into our desk, we started our work day. Gotcha. Uh, we worked until approximately 10.45. They called Unicor up because Unicor got to eat um, earlier than the general staff. Uh, I shouldn't say staff. I should mm -hmm. say the general inmates, population, I guess, whatever, the population. Yeah. So what they did is they put the dog program in first and mm -hmm. some of the other group. Um, they called it something. It was when they ate early. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, um, then we'd get called right at the front. Gotcha. Of that, and then they, um, we would pretty much be done eating when they started calling in the rest of the groups. Um, so we'd get our food, then we'd be able to, um, I checked email, mm -hmm. and then I went back, I grabbed a dessert out of my locker, and then I would go right back to work. I could gotcha. do the whole thing in roughly 20 minutes. Wow. That's I could eat, good. do email, grab food, and get back to work in 20 minutes. Wow. We were on a time clock, so the longer you worked, the more you got paid. Right. So there's no reason to sit up there and just do nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went, went back to work. I worked until approximately 3.20. Because um, of the time clock situation, you could clock in it, uh, out at 3.22, and you still got paid until 3.30. Oh, okay. So it's like 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes. Uh -huh. So I, we punched a time clock at uh, 3.21, let's say, or you know 3.30-ish. Um, and then we walk back up, and then you got a count, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So I would change, uh, do um, the count, and then the rest of the evening I'd either quilt, right? Because I would do that program, right? And then, um, or watch a basketball game, or watch a softball game, or something. It was kind of a vacation, right? In that respect, <laughs> it was kind of a little bit of entertainment going on, right? Yeah. Um, and when I look back on it, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you had something to do, right? I mean, yeah. it was kind of, it kept you pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was other than dealing with some of the other silly rules and stuff. But, right. um, you know, the, the basketball was entertaining. The softball was entertaining. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. But anyway, so we do that. Maybe I'd exercise or uh, play racquetball, whatever. But that was it. Then I would go back to, to bed, you know, recall around 830, mm -hmm. right? And I was, you know, they, they changed the... Um, 
bedtime to, well, I say count time, to 9.30. Right. So I went from 10 to 9.30, which helped a lot because between 8.30 and 9.30, I basically got ready for bed. Maybe I'd right. draw or do something, but then do the count, and I was right back asleep at 9.45 yeah. and um, ready to start and redo the whole routine again. Yeah, yeah. I was always, teeth were brushed. I was ready for bed as soon as, they, before they came through to do count, so that as soon as they were done, I got in bed. And I was, I was done. And and it's amazing how you can sleep, learn to sleep with lights on and people talking and all that kind of stuff. Our wing was pretty good. We um, we I was in uh, wing one most of the time because that was I want to say the older wing, but the more mature wing. <laughs> Geriatric. And, um, yeah, well, I, let's not go there. But anyway, I was going with um, you know, it was a dog wing, so we had dogs. Yeah. In, uh, in the last um, you know, four uh. I don't want to say cells, but cubes, cubes right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that that was they, we put the dogs to bed early, right? So we got to go to bed early, right? So we just didn't get into a lot of that kind of stuff, right? We just were ready to go to bed, and yeah. everybody was pretty respectful with, with which is the nice. being quiet. And as soon as they left, within you know they being the COs walking right. by doing a little count, right? As soon as that was done, literally within ten minutes. Um, that light was out. Wow, that's so good. So I, although I could sleep with the light on, right? I didn't have to. Right. Yeah. No, our lights didn't go out till ten thirty. No, the hell heck um, with that. But Dang. count was done usually by like nine. So yeah, I was. Oh, that's I was horrible. long asleep before the lights went out. Yeah. See, I would have complained. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't care. Um, uh, well, our our group was more respectful in that way because if people did want to go to bed, and we, like I mentioned, we were older. So right. Uh, right. We were, you know, there were enough of us, you know, they, to you know, kind of win the being argument. older in prison is kind of helpful. Yeah. Because people kind of look at you like, eh, you know, when I find that old and can still function, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I got to give them kudos for that. We're not so. that old, though. But, but you yeah, know what I mean, no, though, I totally right? know I mean, what you mean. They kind of give you a little, you get a little more, bit, a little bit more respect because you have a little bit of gray hair. Right. Yeah. I think that's helpful. I mean, yeah. a lot of these kids go, going in at 20 years old, 25. Right. That's a lot of difference between 25 and 55. Yes, absolutely. I you agree. Know, there's a lot of aging. I agree. But I think the the one thing both of us um, established very early and found really critical to getting through the whole process was a routine. Whatever routine worked for you, you really stuck with it and and that kind of helped pass the time. Um so it gives you a really good idea of what our general day was like, right? Yes, I think so. I mean, but, I, I think... But that general day has a lot of consequences. What do you mean? Well, I mean, but you get into that routine. You yes. get into that that doing the same thing every day. And, yes. and what you don't get... So it's like the Groundhog Day, right? Everybody right. kind of compares it to that. But it really is true. Other than weekends being a little bit different, right? right? Yes. But, but even the weekends, every weekend had its own weekend routine. So your yeah, weekends right. maybe were different from your weekdays, but they were all the same. But your responsibility never changed. No. And really what you can do and what you can affect yes. and what you can change in the outside world doesn't change. No. Because mm-hmm. you really, although you want to have control and you want to contribute and so on, so right. you're really not going to do that. No. It's not going to happen. No. So that being the case, what you find is that you get into your own little world. Yes. And that world has some consequences. Right. And right. probably what you're going to bring up next, right, which is probably how those 
how that world affect those consequences is is really kind of the crux of this whole right conversation. I, right? right, I think so. I think that then because of these established routines and these patterns, then when you get back to the real world, there is catching up to do, which is is kind of where we wanted to go with this podcast. All right, so let's uh, bring up one of the, the the important things that you found. Um, even though your time wasn't as long, right. but some of the things that you found that were important uh, in that catching up process. So one of the first things that uh, I had to do when I get back, when I got back, was our kids were still in school and we were kind of dealing with all the sports events still, the band concerts and all that kind of stuff. So I had to get back into the community that. Um, I had left behind and was very supportive of the kids while we were gone, I have to say, that they never ran into anybody that gave them any issues or any looked negatively upon them because of us. Um, But it was the first couple times that I had to go to something. Um, I I did kind of feel like people were looking at me or, or... kind of judging a little bit. Um, what I did find interesting, I thought it was interestingly enough, was that the the dads that of like the kids that played on lacrosse and kids that played on football with the kids, the the dads were very supportive and very nice and kind of just checked in a little bit more the the moms seemed to be a little more standoffish um and i have yet to figure out why that was well that's probably because you were in beverly hills <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I mean, yeah no, my kidding, right? rodeo so, drive shoppers yeah but, so just so everybody realizes that um the community that you you left right was not um any upper it's a very, class or right. It's it's, it's very a very rural color. community. It's very rural. yeah yeah, and I don't I don't know I, I I have yet to ever figure that out, and I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about it. No. But but in general, it people were were very nice, and I never ran into any. I ran into problems more before I went in um, with the lady that accosted me in the parking lot. But generally, people were very nice. But that was like something that that gave me pause. Um, you haven't really had that quite as much just because, you know, you haven't really gotten out in the community that much yet. Right. Being just still be, on home confinement yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just to be clear, I'm, uh, I was released under the CARES Act, right? So, right. And in the midst of a pandemic. Right. So and the community so, looks a little different. Well, yeah, I, I haven't had to deal with the community yet. Right. And so, yeah, my community, my release address was not at a Keymore location, right. right? So it was it was back here in the middle of nowhere. Right. And that being the case, I um I don't have a lot of interaction with the community, obviously, and that's kind of the concept. Right. With right. the with right. the pandemic, with the uh, pandemic. starting to surge, right. right? Right. Well and even still like like the holidays this year are still looking a little different. You were not having all of the family get together. Right. Like we usually did, the extended right. family. So that you're kind of not even having to deal with extended family in that regard because right. not everybody is going to be together. Right. Well, I haven't had to deal with that for four years anyway, right? Right, so, right. I know. But yeah, I mean, but so that's, you know, so you haven't encountered that right. exactly. Um, 
So I, you haven't really had the experiences adjusting to the community exactly, but one of the things that you said you've run into since you've been back is um, getting that kind of catching up on the driving side. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, on the driving, um, what I found is that things seem to happen a lot faster than I'm used to. So, um, you know how you, you get almost in a routine. We talked about a routine earlier, but right. even on the driving side, what I found is that, you know, the blinker, head check, switch lanes, that kind of stuff, I found that um, I, 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 I don't lack the confidence in that, that I I don't feel like I can drive. It's just that um, I'm unsure sometimes of uh, whether or not there's somebody in my blind spot or what's happening behind me because I'm not checking my mirrors all the time. I'm not doing the things because those skills you adapt over time. Right. Obviously, when you're a new driver, it takes a while to, to, to get those skills under control and to get comfortable with the skills and you form habits when you're driving. Well, if you don't drive for four years, right. right, you lose a lot of those habits. And so you're having to redevelop them and redevelop them and get comfortable and confident in them again. And so things obviously move a lot faster. 40 miles an hour seems really fast. Right. Right. And so um, then you're getting behind uh, the wheel and, of course, aging. Right. You know, I, I once or twice uh, seen that you can flip the gas pedal for the, the brake pedal and, uh, you know, not be as comfortable. Mm -hmm. So and we so, need to get you a rookie driver sticker? That would be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right out the back, right? right. And on the windshield. We, right. We need right. a light on top that says, holy cow, look out for this guy. But anyway, I think that, um, yeah, a rookie driver wouldn't be a bad idea. Sure, the best, the whole nine yards. Well, and two, a lot of the roads around here are 70 miles an hour, so you, you get kind of out on the, the road and you are hitting it. You're not doing 45, 50. Traffic's going 70, so it is going fast. And, yeah, the, and the world moves at a faster yes, pace. I mean, it there's does. no doubt. I yeah. mean, certainly faster than prison pace. I mean, right. that is so slow, it's ridiculous. Right. right, I think that's absolutely true. Maybe what they ought to do is like, instead of playing softball, you play baseball and people throw balls at you and just kind of <laughs> dodge them, right? So you get used to things moving faster. If you can dodge traffic, you can dodge a ball. That's the whole concept. I mean, I think maybe you got to get back to that. Because, so if you can dodge a ball, you can dodge traffic. Yeah, because, I mean, you're playing softball in prison, right? I mean, that's that's slow in itself. Right, right, right. Yeah, nothing is fast-paced. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's... I think that is a, something you have to kind of catch up on and get that confidence back and that it just comes with time. And being restricted with the pandemic and with everything else you aren't doing as much driving as you even would routinely um before you went to prison just because you aren't going as many places and so it kind of it's just going to be a while for that to come back i think yeah and i think um on that line i think um you you see a lot of changes also in in the use of computers and mm -hmm. social media and stuff like, you know, coming back and trying to understand what an influencer is or, right. or understand that, that, you know, Facebook is no longer okay, go ahead. as a social media platform, um, you know, like it was when I originally went into 
into prison. So. Right. People have switched over to Instagram and that kind of stuff that I don't, I don't even understand that really either. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's becoming, you know, part of that's the aging process, but certainly yeah. if you don't keep up on it yes, and you don't, you know, you don't uh, use it. Right. You find that you just kind of don't keep the skills to, to be fluent in it and understand really how it, how it, uh, you know, helps you. Right. You know, in what way would you use it and what format is it in? Right. You but just, it's different. Influen- influencer wasn't even a job title when, when you went in. And now, you know, there are people out there that have millions of followers doing different things. Yeah. Not all of them worthwhile, but you know. And they're getting paid for. I, yes. On that note, it's like this podcast. I'm not even getting paid for this. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, it's, you know, maybe someday we'll be an influencer. Right. Someday, maybe you will get there, and people yeah, will well, donate all kinds of money to you. I don't think so. But. I kind of doubt it. Yeah, um, me too. This is just more of a if we can help a few people in similar situations. You know that that's all we're trying to really do. For sure. And let other people know, you know, what some of the uh, uh, the roadblocks that people hit. Right. Or, or maybe the... Speed bumps. Yeah, as you like to call I them. I call them speed, speed bumps. bumps. Yes. That people hit when they, they come out because right. a lot of the other tools and, uh, and programs that are out there to help people, they don't address these kinds of issues. I mean, I don't know no. that RRCs so. or anybody no. else really... Kind of says, hey, maybe we ought to work on your your skills for driving, or no, or absolutely, we ought to update you on all the different uh, tools that are out there now, right. or apps, or technologies that, that one may utilize. Right, right. No, I totally agree. So yeah, I think that's certainly different. I think people people need to understand it, and I think it, you know having this this broadcast is is going to be helpful to a lot of people. Yeah, well, I think that's um, one of the things that we found before we were going, or at least I did anyway, before I went in, I was scouring every source I could think of to give me some information on what was this going to really be like. Hollywood does not present a true picture. Um, Books don't present a true picture. So I was just anything that I thought could be a reliable source. And so that's kind of what I was hoping people might be able to use um, these podcasts for. And this is free, right? I mean, it yes. doesn't cost to download this or anything? Or? Right. No. Mm-mm. No. We're not asking for subscribers. We're not asking for money. We're not asking for anything. It's just a resource that gives you people that have lived it, come out the other side of it, and are finding a way to make all of this work. So that just about wraps up today's podcast. We thank you for listening. Sean, thanks for being here. Well, you're quite welcome. I uh, certainly enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for inviting me. No problem, and we look forward to seeing you on future episodes.